0: This is March, arguably the three greatest words in sports, and this is one hell of an impromptu episode of Zoomer Sports Radio, and as always, I'm your host, Andrew Moody, and as I said, this is impromptu as hell. I have no audio equipment, no high-tech stuff, no video equipment, just straight old-fashioned earbuds on Zoom, or just basic camera video, but I do have a pretty pretty cool guest that I'll be, I'll be joined by, if you can call it that. You Some people might know him as Clemson Guard for this year at BC or Charleston. Some might know him as the NIL King. Some might know him as the dude whose nuts exploded. But personally, I know him as his personal camera guy. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Brevin Galloway.
1: Yes, sir, man. We're here today to talk about hoops, have a good time. But yeah, Moody definitely is my personal TikTok camera guy. So very appreciate it.
0: Yeah, but... Today, all we're just gonna talk about the craziness of what March Madness has been because this has been one tournament for this is one hell of a tournament that will be will remember for years because it's just not been anything like what we've seen the last couple of years.
1: It hasn't been. Uh, it hasn't been that way at all. And honestly, I have been happy that we lost because I've been able to watch some great basketball over the last couple of days and. <laughs> I've been able to relax and enjoy my time with my family. So it's been absolutely lovely. The games have been, the games have been crazy, crazy. That's the perfect way to put it. March has been crazy this year.
0: I mean, the just just right off the bat, as we tip off our thoughts on, on the tournament is, there's been no 5-12 upsets, only one 6-11 upset. And it was a power five team. I don't know if we really count that as an upset. Two one seeds are gone and by the second weekend. It's, it's, it's this is March that that's, that's the only way to sum it up is this is March. And as we, as we kick it off, Breva, what, what game have you liked so far or was the, your most memorable game that you've seen watching uh, uh, over it was, on the television?
1: I mean, probably the most, the, the game that I was just like locked in for and intense was probably that definitely Purdue uh, fairly Dickinson game. That game was, Cause I mean, obviously the upset. What was at stake was crazy, and uh, obviously that was a big, big win for uh, FDU. But just to be like, I try to put myself in produce mindset. Like, how do you like? How do you even like approach the media after that game? Like, that's just such a big upset. Like, obviously we lost to Morehead State in the NIT first round. It was an upset, but nothing in terms of like the magnitude of that. Like losing first round March Madness to the to the. First time ever to
0: was that first time for a 16th seed or no? Second time, UMBC Virginia. Yeah, uh, time. Who we'll talk about later in this episode, obviously. But UMBC so, uh, beat Virginia, I think in 2018. But I will say for Purdue, isn't there good odds? Because the last time a one seed lost to a 16 seed, they won the they won the national championship the year after. So that's good. Hope. But
1: they gotta, hope, they gotta hope ED comes back because that's not happening without E D. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's for sure. I mean, you could you could just tell the flow of that game. It, fe- it felt like FDU was in control. It felt like FDU was the onesie based on, like, the confidence. And, like, Purdue looked like they were playing scared.
1: Right. I mean, it's weird because, like, basketball comes down to really just how teams play. Like, obviously, every team is talented regardless of the level that you're at. But, like, when it comes down to it, bro, if you don't have uh, certain guys that can match other guys' energy and athleticism, then it's just not going to work out for you.
0: And Farley Farley Dickinson is is going to be is hands down the greatest Cinderella team and the greatest upset to ever happen in March Madness. As you know, Dickinson didn't even technically get their automatic qualifying bid. They lost to Merrimack in the Northeast Conference Championship, but due to the NCAA transition rules, FDU got that bid, and then they had to go to Dayton to play in the first four. I believe they played, I think they played Texas Southern yeah them to go on and beat zach he just they're the also they're the shortest team in all of college bat like all really? of college basketball that was the shortest was team I learned, I learned to that go that up thing. against 7-4 national play of the year zach edie and beat them that is a statement that is dropping your balls on the table coming into march
1: but what's wild, <laughs> what's wild is watching like, watching the game like you said like they fdu felt like the one seat in terms of just like the confidence and what they showed because purdue was hesitant they were questioning a lot of things they really weren't like as engaged as i felt like they should have been um because they didn't move with a lot of like force they ain't try to like they didn't use their size against them at all and like you said like fdu just felt like the number one seat they were in control the whole time
0: i mean it's it's just another uh it's just another example of the Big Ten being the Big Ten when it comes to March. I they had eight qualifying bids coming in this tournament, only one team making the second weekend, as is Michigan State. Who, let's be real, Tom Izzo might be the greatest coach when it comes to March Madness being a just being like a lower level seed and making it. Because 2015, he was a seven seed and went to the Final Four. They lost to Duke, the eventual national champion, and then he's, He's been a 15 – I think he started coaching early 90s, 1994, if I'm correct. He's been a 15 Sweet 16s, I think eight mm-hmm. Final Fours. He has a national championship under his belt. And there's a, there's a reason uh, you'll see a guy like John Rothstein uh, putting out the calendar saying January, February, Izzo, April. Because it's really his month. And they did it when they just absolutely knocked the shoes off of Marquette, who was one of the hottest teams coming in the tournament.
1: Right, which is, which is really crazy, though, because, like, the Big Ten, like, because uh, what, is, what is Michigan, a seven seed? It was a seven seed, yeah. So Michigan State was a seven seed, but, like, the Big Ten is confusing because they had a lot of, you know, guys competing for at-large bids, and, like, they're as a whole, their league is already competitive as it is. So, man, get out of the way, bro. <laughs> um,
0: so, Prince uh, wants yeah, all the attention.
1: Yeah, Prince was all the attention. So with that being said, <laughs> I, was, I was a little bit confused on how they got that seed and they got a seven, but, like, looking at the game it really wasn't an upset Marquette was obviously had a great year but in terms of like I've been watching Michigan State I'm really cool um uh I got to know Tyson Walker a good bit just from who
0: who had a well he dropped 22 against Marquette in that game I exactly.
1: think like exactly so like obviously he played at Northeastern whenever I played at the College of Charleston so I was able to battle against him for a few years Uh, had a couple of conversations with him so to see him go out there perform at that high level and to have that impact on, and March Madness was crazy. Uh, just knowing to get, knowing I played against them, I was on the same court as them. So, but yeah, watching the game, I didn't think of it as an upset. I was like, Michigan State is really good. They got the pieces to make a Final Four run. Um, they were just in a very, very competitive league. So, obviously, they weren't probably able to show their best version of themselves throughout the year consistently.
0: I mean, on my on my dorm floor, and I said I got a couple Marquette fans on my dorm floor, believe it or not, but I said Michigan State is going to the Sweet 16, like, you can pencil that in on your bracket. Like, that is 100% going to happen. They looked at me like, they're not going to get past USC. I'm like, dude, you don't doubt Izzo in March unless they're a two-seed play in middle Tennessee. That's the only time you can doubt them. But, I mean, like, it's just – I, the transfer portal has – like, it's made the game so much better in my mind. And it's it's been – it's made, like, crazy just – make crazy shit happen like uh if you look at Princeton, their roster, who obviously we haven't touched on yet, mm-hmm. you would think losing Jalen Llewellyn to Michigan and Ethan Wright to Colorado, losing two of your best players from the previous season to Power Five schools, you would have a down here Look at them now. They are rolling. They are and my my boy Caden Pierce is just 16 rebounds if you saw in that um
1: like,
0: but print like it's just crazy to think these men majors now, like, it's not like a coincidence. We've had three 15 seeds in the final four three years in a row in Oral Roberts, St. Peters, and now Princeton. Because, like, the transfer portals open opened up a lot, and obviously, you know about it transferring twice,
1: right? Right, because <laughs> the nice thing about the transfer portal is like. And, like, basketball in general, like, a lot of these guys that are on these low-major teams or mid-major teams making an upset, they're more than capable of playing at a high-major level. They're just either. Because it's crazy because, like, uh, Brownell actually said this in one of our pregame meetings one time about, like, the difference between you being a high-major and low-major players could be three inches. Like, me, I started off as a mid-major guy. I was a mid-major shooting guard. I'm 6'2". But if you go to the next level, the shooting guards are 6'7", six, 6'6". So it's really just, it comes down to inches. Obviously we can do the same things. We both can shoot, dribble, drive, make plays, but it really just comes down to that height. So, and a lot of the guys that are at the mid-major, low major level don't get the same clout or attention coming to high school that the five-stars did. So, but when you put them on that same quarter March Madness and them upsets happen, that's why, because they're the same player pretty much, just a little bit different.
0: I mean, before I break down more of the Princeton roster, I I do want to go over uh, Caden Pierce a little bit. Obviously, He's my buddy from back home at Glenbard West. I've known him since middle school. I had lunch with him every day last year. But, like, Caden Pierce is, like, the ultimate winner ever. He won a state championship in Illinois at middle school for the Glen Allen Titans. He won a state championship, Illinois 4A high high school state championship last year for Glenbard West, along with Gonzaga's Brayden Huff and Illinois' Paxton Warden and Bobby Durkin will be at Davidson next year. And then now he won Ivy rookie – Ivy Rookie of the Year. He won mm. an Ivy League championship. Mm. He is now in a Sweet 16 for Princeton for the first time in 67 years. And his brother played at UNC. And his other brother plays for the Indianapolis Colts wide receiver, Alec Pierce, Justin Pierce at UNC. So, like, Hayden Pierce just is the ultimate winner coming from a winning culture, a winning background. Like, it, it's just, like, I feel like that's a recruiting aspect. Maybe look past is, like, Caden didn't get any like uh, power five like offers or or really looks and like I'm just like watching him on the court, beating Mizzou, beating Arizona. He hit the he hit the free throws to Ice Mizzou or Ice uh, Arizona uh, in that game that had 16 boards against Mizzou. Like this kid's a stud. Like, like how does how does that like like fall through the cracks, I guess? And how is Princeton able to snag a stud like him? I mean, like
1: I said, man, a lot of people just don't. <laughs> Like, especially nowadays, man, if you don't have like the social media presence or if you don't have a whole bunch of big time media outlets backing you up on socials, you're not gonna get those power five offers. That's just how it is nowadays. So to see, but at the same time, like see him, I'm very jealous of his freshman year. I wish that could be my freshman year for sure. I sat the bench and didn't play at all and didn't win like that. So uh no, that's big time for him. So I'm happy for him for sure. Just be to be in the sweet sixteen alone is who like that's what some people dream about. That's like literally less than Probably 0. 0.0003. <laughs> so you get experience that. So, so that's a crazy thing to do. Wow.
0: Well, when, when you were, did you guys, you made the tournament once at Charleston, didn't you? Yeah, I made the tournament my sophomore year. Who'd you guys play? I'm trying to, trying to remember. I played Auburn and San Diego. So you guys got to the roundup that you guys won a game? No, 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 no. That was the first game. Oh, you were in the first four?
1: No, no, no. Not first four. We were in the 64. In Auburn and San Diego? No, we played Auburn in San Diego.
0: Oh, oh, oh! That was my that was my bad. My bad. I, t- I totally got that wrong. But it's like, I mean, obviously I want to hype Kane as much as I can. As Zoomer Sports is the number one guy back- backing him up Me- media wise. Yeah, until now where you got Clark Kellogg raving about him on CBS post game. And but, um, Mitch Henderson, the coach at Princeton, who's been there, I think believe for nine years, eleven years now, some somewhere around that, um. He's obviously got elevated Princeton into a great program. Yeah, mm-hmm. but fun fact, he was actually drafted um, for baseball, I believe. I think by the New York Yankees. Oh, uh, which is which is crazy. And yeah. like, I mean, just looking at the roster, it's it, they got a solid roster. They got good guard play, which is what you need in March Madness with Ryan Lingborg and Matt Alaco both averaging double digits, and then Tosan uh, Awuma. is just an absolute beast. That guy. I mean, he he's. You wouldn't wouldn't expect, like, their number one scoring guy to also have the most – lead the team in assists because how Princeton – how Princeton is their offense, I feel like, is um, Ouma drives drives the lane a bunch and just dishes out the shooters like Kaden Alico, Blake Peters, Evanston native, another Illinois guy. Got to shout them out. So, I mean, like, I don't think it really – anyone should really be that shocked that Princeton's in this position.
1: No, definitely not. And especially with watching them yesterday, I didn't realize, like, they actually have decent size to them. Like I'm looking at them and I'm like, they don't look like a a mid-major, low-major program typically looks like. FDU was small, obviously they were tiny and have a lot of size, but like, like Princeton had like who is there? I don't even know the guy's name who brings the ball up the court. The tall, I think lights. it's
0: Alico I think it's Alco or Langborg because oh, those no, are two guards. No, I think
1: I'm thinking the tall light-skinned dude with the headband. I'm thinking he like a post player. He bringing to- the ball. Oh, to- Tosin. That's Tosin. Uh, That's a uh, Wuma. Yeah, bro. I was like, whoa. He bringing the ball up the court. That's that's. I can see why y'all good now.
0: I can see why y'all good because that's different for sure. I mean, that reminds me of like. I mean, obviously, Illinois didn't uh, didn't do what they wanted to do in the tournament. But like, you'll see Coleman Hawkins do that for the Illini. Now, obviously, they've had an up and down season, but just that versatility is the reason Coleman is projected on NBA draft boards. And now Arkansas, now, who beat Illinois, they. I don't really – I don't really want to call them, like, a shocker because if you look at that roster with Jordan Walsh, Anthony Black, um, I'm totally blanking on them now. Uh, Nick Smith, Ricky Council, like, that is an extremely have, talented roster with two, two lottery out. picks, honestly. Devontae Davis, too. And mm-hmm. – um, And they got the two brothers our,
1: the, Mitchell, the Mitchell twins.
0: Yeah, and, like, looking at that team, like – how how are they an eight seed obviously during the regular season the grind they fell through but you look they take down number one kansas when the second one seed to go down and obviously i I sent you i sent you that video of uh me how i felt that that out uh your your favorite show and my buddy kyle wood uh from back at uh, a shout out to the clemson dorms favorite show outer banks sent that little uh scene of how i felt when kansas lost because it totally wrecked my bracket Ward! This ain't gonna end the way you want it to! You don't need her seeing this! No, Dad, don't leave. I love you! Where are you going? Hey! Dad. Damn it, Ward! No. Turn it around and get back in here! Please, don't. play no, that geez,
1: uh, for the, for the podcast team, arkansas arkansas is so scary just in terms of like what they bring to the table like there's a team first of all i would be scared to play them if we had to play arkansas uh the way they are the athletes bro the way they play like the energy that they bring like you got guys that can score from you got black you got council like you said you got nick smith you got uh who had a good game the other night davis
0: yeah, Devonte Davis played really well against Kansas. Davis
1: played, yeah, like bro, they're so scary, and they're just the, the style of play in the SEC is way different than the ACC, and that's like that's what they was able to beat Kansas. I think just because they style of play was way different, and Kansas had to adjust.
0: And then, I mean, Eric Musselman is returning to his third uh, sweet third straight Sweet Sixteen, and he's totally revived that program at mm-hmm. Arkansas, who used to be they 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 won a national title before, and he's totally revived it. I mean, they beat Gonzaga last year, who we all thought was. The juggernaut that was going to win it all, and I mean Arkansas Musselman's well, proved himself that Arkansas's not being mess, messed around with, and they're playing UConn, who's kind of a a newer team. I feel like on the block with Dan Hurley. I mean they got Jordan Hawkins and Adam Sinogo, who are studs, averaging seventeen and fifteen respectfully. But I mean, like I don't, I feel like they cannot view Arkansas as an 18. I feel like they have to view him as a one seed in this game. Like I don't think the seeding matters in the Sweet Sixteen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Sweden, I mean,
1: the seating doesn't matter, especially, like, when you have, got, when you have other teams, like, um, like who else is in there?
0: You got uh, Florida Atlantic, number nine. Uh, no,
1: they matter. That seating matters, for sure. <laughs> that seating matters. Them, probably Princeton, but at the same time, the way Princeton's been playing, I, I feel like Princeton is a team that you definitely have to scout and prepare for going into the game because of the way they play and the style that they play is a lot different than most teams, especially the Sweden's team like you're in a like a do or die situation. You got to make sure you're, you got to make sure that you're literally like ready for the team that you're about to play for. I mean, play against. So, bro, get out of my face, man. <laughs> I feel like that's probably why Princeton has been able to surprise teams a lot. Cause just like, bro, you can't prepare for somebody, especially in that quick of a turnaround. Like, that's tough to prepare for. You can't bounce back from that easily, especially a team like Princeton. Like, they're so confusing as it is. And, who I can only imagine.
0: And then Florida Atlantic, I feel like. Obviously, I don't know if they should even be in this position because if, if, you, if you're if you watching the Memphis game, five minutes left, Kendrick Davis, who honestly, one of the best guards in the game, probably was the best transfer this year going to Memphis. He gets hurt with five minutes left, and he was an absolute dog. He was When he got hurt, he was limping to the scores table. He was telling Penny Hardaway, you're putting me in. He was screwing everyone. He was going in because he was a competitor. Love to see that. So if he doesn't get hurt, and then with 30 seconds left, there was a jump ball call. Practically yeah. every person on Memphis' bench, on bench was calling for a timeout. They didn't get it. Florida Atlantic got the ball. This set up there, game-winning tip layup. They win there. Memphis was robbed. And then I don't, think, I don't think there's a single person in America who wants Florida Atlantic to beat Tennessee after they, after they pulled that little dunk stunt yesterday. Versus uh, FDU, who was the most likable team in in, in the nation. And they lost with class by not fouling, like down eight, with just for no reason. And then they pulled that stunt, and now everyone hates them. And uh, they're going to get Tennessee's, uh, what, Vescovie, who's going to, who elbowed Kyle Filipowski and like had his eyes start bleeding open in the Duke game. So, I mean, like, just imagine the blood Tennessee is, and they're going to have America on their back.
1: I just don't. That that was crazy to me to realize, like watching that Duke and Tennessee game, how physical Tennessee was, because I did not realize that at all. So uh, FAU is definitely, um, I'm not going to say that they're going to lose, but they're definitely like, um, they're they're definitely in a world of trouble. I just don't understand how you can prepare for that going into that game like Thursday, they play Thursday or Friday, whenever they play next, like FAU is going to really have to adjust to that type of physicality, because that's just not something that you can just show up and just expect. Or prepare for in practice, unless you're just getting punched around. And y'all have a box of matches.
0: I think the biggest storyline around Tennessee, though, is can Rick Barnes finally make it out of the Sweet 16 for the first time since 2008, back when he was over it down in Austin in Texas. And he's gone to 10 straight tournaments, hasn't made it past the Sweet 16. So this he, is the can can he get over that hump finally back? And Rick Barnes, former Clemson coach, too.
1: He got a uh he got a good draw this year. I will say that he got a good draw to bracket. He'll definitely be able to get past since they play in FAU. Um, he honestly got lucky either way, FAU or FDU. I feel like both of those two schools, you just got to make sure that you're prepared to just – and especially as long as you know that they're – how they're going to beat you, and they're going to beat you with quickness and not size. I think that that says a lot going into the game. So, I think Tennessee's going to be fine. So, hopefully, he's in the Elite Eight. Hopefully, he can finally get a career bump and uh, he can end up being in the Elite Eight for the first time.
0: I mean, I – I think he shocked America by beating Duke in that round because I think we all felt Duke—they were hot. They won the ACC. They were underseeded at five. And just personally, I, I think I think it's way harder to root against Duke now that John Shire is their coach, other than Coach K, because I feel like Coach K was easy to root against. John Shire just seems like this nice, stand-up, nice guy. And once again, he's he's an Illinois, he's an Illinois guy, being from Glenbrook North, um, just just north of me. I feel like it's hard to root against Shire. And, and you like, you,
1: you, like, like your, you like your Illinois guys though.
0: Oh, I see. we we stick with each other back back uh back up on. <laughs> oh, we <laughs> in Illinois, but they lost. Uh, Tennessee lost uh, Zakai Ziegler to a torn ACL, so they had to do that, and it's I
1: just. Thought, but, I, I thought they were going. I thought to go downhill after that. So I'm really impressed with how they bounced back.
0: And they barely squeaked past Louisiana in the first round. of the game, just beating them 58-55. and. That I I I'm hoping for the best because I feel like Tennessee, whether they play Michigan State or they play K State, I feel like that'd be a better matchup than Florida Atlantic. Just right. just as just as watching the entertainer. Right. And if we yeah. if we talk about watching entertaining, going back to my uh, thoughts about Shire and Coach K, I feel like games like as much as I like disliked Coach K, and I felt if I felt like guys like Coach K and Roy Williams they made they made games feel bigger by them being on the sidelines like that's i feel i feel like that's just so true cuz just like see even with Jim Bayheim, Bill self not being able to coach Arkansas or not being able to coach Kansas against Arkansas um as he was in the hospital dealing with all that stuff like i feel like when you have those big name coaches out it 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 takes away some of the some of the lust you could say for the for the game
1: no definitely especially like Like, last year, I can remember Duke having their farewell tour and Coach K being, like, I remember at Boston College, like, he barely had a crowd, probably one of the worst crowds in college basketball. But, like, you pull up, and everybody's trying to take pictures of him. Everybody's trying to get autographs. Everybody's there two hours early before the game, and it's just, like, these are really icons in college basketball. So to not have them, it definitely does take away from the hype of the game overall because it's not that same face on the sideline that you used to see
0: him. And then let's uh head over to the Midwest region, which I don't think we've touched on. And Houston is leading the pack there. I honestly think they're the most dominant team in the tournament. They've beaten they've beaten both Auburn and I forget the 16 seed they play. They play Northern Kentucky. That who's who they played. They beat both of them by 20 plus, just double digit smackdowns. They're 30 and two, and Trayvon Mark, one of their guards, is in double digits. That's for his career. So, and Marcus Sasser's been doing good after dealing with that groin injury, dropped 22 against Auburn. I think they're standalone, the juggernaut left in the tournament. I get Bama's the one seed overall in the tournament, but I think Houston's the team to be right now.
1: I don't like Houston at all. For some reason, I just don't like them. I don't know what it is. I like Sasser a lot, and I like uh, – what's the
0: first name? Their entire, start, their entire starting lineups in double, averages, double figures. They got Jamal Shedd, Jairus Walker's going yeah, to be a lottery like pick.
1: I like shit at the and, point, point guard. He's tough. He's a tough guard. But I don't know, though. It's just, I don't, maybe, maybe it's because, I don't know. I just don't like, I don't, I don't enjoy watching them play. Maybe because they're just so, I don't, I don't even know what it is. I want to say defensive oriented, but that's a lot of teams right here. I'm happy Baylor got beat. Happy they got beat. <laughs> happy as hell, Baylor
0: got beat. Well, I am too, because you, you have known I said this since before the tournament start, Creighton was my dark horse to go to the final four. And yeah. look at them now. They're just proving my take right in the Sweet 16. Obviously, I'm gonna cheer for Princeton in that, but like, obviously, they have a phenomenal starting five. I mean, Ryan Kalkbrenner at the center. They got great guards, Trey Alexander, who I believe transferred from North Carolina. They got ba- Baylor Shear- Shearman. Ryan Nemhard, who had 30 against Baylor, and then Arthur Kaluma at the at the four spot. I mean, that's, that's a pretty well that's a pretty well rounded squad. If, if I'm gonna be real, like, no, that's like, well rounded. Everybody can shoot. I thought, so I thought, they, I thought they were scary. As as beginning, I'm so happy they beat NC State at at the 11 spot in that first game. I was just nervous. I'm like if Crane can get past NC State, I think they're going to the Final Four. Princeton made it a lot easier for them by taking out Arizona. They oh, got they they got the job done with Baylor. They just got to go against the Tigers of Princeton. But I'm pulling for the Tigers. I'm pulling. I'm pulling for my take to get completely thrown in the garbage because. I'd like, I'd like to see the 15 C Tigers
1: that would be uh,
0: just w- one up what St. Peters and Doug Etter did last year. Right, that's true. And go to the Final Four.
1: The Ivy League, of course, for the Ivy League grads. That would be beautiful.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then uh, if we go over to the uh, West region, I think we have by far the best matchup in the Sweet 16 UCLA, Gonzaga. And this, they got history in March Madness. If you remember, Jalen Suggs hit that half quarter to beat them in the final four in Indianapolis in 2021. And then go back even further. If you remember the Adam Morrison moment, um, Mm -hmm. him beating UCLA and him making himself a March legend. And this, like I said, this is March. Anything can happen. And I think this is by far the most talented guy, most talented teams facing each other in this tournament. And What do you like about Gonzaga? What do you not like about UCLA? Um, what do you like I, about ucla i
1: love um i love the lifespan guard for gonzaga strother i think that's how you pronounce his name julian julian uh i love his confidence i love the swag he plays with timmy is obviously one of the nation's best bigs whenever it comes down to it and obviously he's the most known probably face in college basketball thanks to the little facial hair <laughs> He's a nice little. No, player. it's
0: not. It's not the king of the, It's not the NIL king himself. He's not the. He's not the number one face.
1: Yeah, he's, like, <laughs> yeah, no, he's not the number one face. He's a good face though. But, <laughs> but yeah, and then with UCLA, UCLA, I like uh, Tiger. I like the point guard a lot. Um, I like the depth that they have. Uh, or well, not really depth. I just like their five. I like how I like how deep their five is and how what they can do. Um, I forgot bro's name. Their best player uh, on UCLA. Yeah,
0: Jamie Jamie is. Jimmy
1: Jaquez, Jr. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, I like Even him. Got Jalen bit. Clark. Yeah, but he hurt though. And he, told, he he got hurt.
0: No, Singleton I think got hurt.
1: No, Clark ain't been playing. Clark tore his uh Achilles. Oh, that's right. So they, oh. if they're missing two players, it might be Gonzaga. Well, I mean, I but mean, Singleton, UCLA Singleton a knockdown shooter, and they they gonna need that to space the floor. But I don't know. I know Clark is out for sure. Clark they they announced that like two weeks ago because um, he was he was defensive player of the year in their conference, uh, had all the awards, had a good year, bounce back year. But, like, if they miss missing Clark and Singleton on the wings, like, that could be difficult for him.
0: And then they also got Amari Bailey, who, unfortunately, yes. he, he was he a was number two uh, ranked freshman or uh, recruit coming in this year, and he's averaging 10 points as a freshman. But, obviously, I have a little distaste for him as he was on that Sierra Canyon team that – one on the buzzer against uh, my my Glenbard West Hilltoppers. I was courtside, sitting right next between. I was in between Demar Derozan and I believe LeBron's wife when that happened. Um, for yeah. for that, and I was working for uh, ESPN SportsCenter at that, that game. SportsCenter next that game, and oh, that that taste in the mouth when Dylan Matoyer hit that shot to beat us, and Bronny James and Amari Bailey sprinted to our student section. And, uh,
1: that's a crazy! I know that image is crazy.
0: You hate replaying it. But I mean, if we look at UCLA's schedule or uh, route to get here, they they beat, um, they beat UNC Asheville, who was really tough, 15 seed. i I they were the best 15 seed other than Princeton, obviously. And then they uh, beat Northwestern, who Northwestern honestly just needs to build a statue of Chris Collins at this point. He's completely revived that program. They've been in the tournament twice in the history of that entire school. Both under Collins have both won game. They just need to build a statue of him up in Evanston. Call 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 it a day. I mean, he him and Paffitt's jail have both revived those programs which that honestly have to recruit to like Ivy Ivy level standards. Them Stanford and Vanderbilt have like impossible recruiting standards of how just how, to, just how um, intense and uh, qual- like how high how, how caliber their schools are and their academics are. And then so props northwestern, great. Great season for them. And then, but I mean, the team I think who really got underseated and undersold in the Big Ten was Penn State, who you guys play. Because Jalen Pickett is really tough. I think he can knock down any shot, any style. And they got bad luck of the draw having to play Texas in their second game. And
1: um, I really want Penn State to make an elite eight run. Like, like you said, you got Pickett, you got Andrew Funk, you got
0: Seth Lundy. Knockdown
1: the, shooter. Seth Lundy Cam winner. Uh Miles Dre coming off the bench. Like, well, I love watching them play. They get up a lot of threes, they play fast. Like, I was hoping they knock down more shots against Texas. Because that's all they had to do. Like they got looks, they just couldn't knock down the open shots, the ones they hit against Texas AM. And obviously once Texas Guitars is over with. And uh but yeah, man, I was hoping Penn State made a run because damn I love watching them play. And we beat them, so it makes it easier to
0: watch. Them. <laughs> and, I mean, Another uh, another uh, game I liked yesterday. I mean, I obviously didn't like it. the game; wasn't as entertaining as I wanted to be. I loved the matchup though, because obviously Miami blew Indiana out of the water. But I loved getting to see Nigel Pack, Jordan Jordan Miller, Isaiah Wong, ACC Player of the Year ago against Trace Jackson Davis, Miller uh Trey Galloway. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, we, we have this, Who 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 is the who is the who is the more fun Galloway, Trey or Brev?
1: Oh, the more fun. Oh, I'm gonna have to (laughs) I think I think I'm more I think I'm more of the fun Galloway. Um, but at the same time I'm not really familiar with Brodo. So I'm gonna have to just go with me. (laughs) But if I got to know him and obviously came across his content on social media, I think I might, you know, I might have to give him one up.
0: Galloway versus Galloway matchup. And then obviously Indiana State, they had to beat a very tough Kent State and some Sear Carey who led one of the best offenses out of any mid-major, I think in college basketball in general. But I do have one thing about Indiana. Uh, I'm going to bring it up uh, here is that Trace Jackson Davis, we all, know, we all know Trace Jackson Davis is one of the best players in college basketball, and he's going to be a legend at Indiana for the rest of his life. But what I'm about to tell you, does this affect his legacy at all in your opinion? And his three years at Indiana – Trace never led Indiana to a Big Ten regular season title, never led them to a Big Ten tournament championship, never led them to the Sweet 16. He had a losing record to their arch rival Purdue. He was 3-5. and He lost the national – he's going to lose the national player of the year award to Zach E, who was a recruit who wasn't even in the top 400 when he came out of high school. And so, like, does that affect Trace Jackson's Davis legacy at all? to Indiana, who's arguably a fringe-tier blue-blood program, back with the years of Bobby Knight and Isaiah Thomas and winning multiple championships, the only undefeated team to ever win it. So does does that affect uh, TJD's legacy at all?
1: Oh, that's a great question, actually, because when you put it like that and phrase it like that and word it like that, it definitely does come off as like, wow, he really hasn't accomplished much. But then... If you really look at his accomplishments, he's done way more than a lot of people have, I'm sure. I'm not familiar
0: with all his accomplishments and accolades that he's got. I think he's he's top he's top five, I think, all-time scoring at Indiana. I know he just passed the head coach, which is crazy. He he, he passed, passed Woodson, yeah.
1: So I mean, when you look at it like that from that perspective, like you can't take away, obviously, um, he didn't achieve certain things, but at the same time, you can't take away what he's done. I'm sure he's gotten players of the week, I'm sure he's gotten all first team, like. I'm sure he's did those things. And at the same time, you can't take away how dominant he's been. Like, his stats prove it. Um, and like, a lot of the times, like I said, like, March Madness runs, bro, it takes a lot of luck. Like, you can be a number one seed, you can be a number four seed. Like like you said, where you can lose to a 16 seed easy, bro. It's all about luck and about, like, what day it is. So I don't think that takes away from him at all because still, if if we were playing pickup and it was 11 players and I had the first pick, I'm probably going to take him as my big for sure. <laughs> So that's a big difference. And that's why I look at it as whenever I'm looking at players.
0: I mean, you can spin zone, spin zone what I said, complete 180 and argue. Indiana was irrelevant before Woodson and Trace Jackson Davis got there. I mean, they had missed the tournament for four straight years. They, they hadn't even won a game in the NIT. They, mm-hmm. had, they had losing records in the Big Ten Conference. Trace Jackson Davis comes in, Mike Woodson comes in. Now Indiana's been in tournament every year since, so. He's completely, you he could argue he completely revived Indiana, brought Indiana say, back.
1: I was about to say, like, at least, obviously, like you said, I didn't, I didn't know they missed four tournaments um, in a row before the game. So, like, shit, that's, that's progress as it is. You can't argue with that.
0: Obviously, they lost to Miami, who, as John Rothstein says, has more guards than Shawshank with Pack, Wong, and Miller. And just you played them. What, what makes Miami so hard to beat? And what makes them so 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 talented and just just good in general, just
1: uh, I mean, a lot of it is a lot of it is spacing, and a lot of it is also just offensive confidence and offensive freedom that they have. Um, you know, whenever you play Miami or like whenever we play them, they never look at the sideline a lot. Uh, and I think that's big for a college basketball player. You got some guys and some programs that are you know they make a mistake. they look over at the coach, uh, they take a shot, they look over at the coach with Miami. It's not like that at all. You can tell he trusts his guys. They trust each other. They love each other, um, and they want to see each other succeed. And I feel like whenever your best player is Isaiah Wong, and he's unselfish the way he is, and doesn't really try to be like a big time like hero ball and play that style of way all the time, like you're. I mean, you're easily going to be able to win games if if he's allowing other guys to step up and be themselves too.
0: Now let's head back to the South Region as we wrap up our talk about what's going on that's happened in the past term. Before we look to the future of the tournament. And we, we were together, actually, when this happened, live watching it together. Number 13, Furman, upset at number four, Virginia. It was the first upset of the tournament, and Virginia oh, had the game in the bag. K.H. Clark threw a, heaven, threw a prayer to the heavens. And I believe it was Marcus Foster of Furman uh, got it, shot it, and sent them to the round of 32. Just... Like how, how how does that play unfold? and how does, like how does that happen, honestly, as, as, as a as an outsider of not as a non-college basketball player?
1: Yeah. I mean, you got to think about it, like that pressure, high situation, I mean, a high pressure situation that you're in, uh, obviously, just took the ball out, got it back. Um, and obviously, you think six seconds is a short amount of time, but it's a long amount of time, bro, like six seconds can really feel like 30. Um, So whenever you throw the ball up in the air with six seconds, he probably was thinking like, cool, the the clock going to run out. We're going to win. We're going to walk out of here with easy dub. And then they catch the ball with four seconds left. (laughs) And then you pass it up court. Because obviously you got to think about it, like so much stuff can happen within three seconds on the basketball court. So then you pass it. Next thing you know, the shot's going up with three seconds left. And then it hits the net and you only got two seconds left. And it's over with at that point. But I don't understand, like, I honestly don't understand. Like, I I looked at the play so many times, like, Looking at it, trying to fit, like trying to think what could possibly be going through his mind, and I just couldn't, like I couldn't grasp my mind around it. I was just like, "Bro, you literally just threw the, threw the ball up in the air, like I you didn't, didn't even throw. He didn't even throw it like deep. It was just up.
0: It like just just like on this side, on the basket side of half court, yeah, that's like just saying. barely.
1: Yeah, like it looked like bro wasn't strong enough for real. But I mean, like, it's it's.
0: It's Never. just kind of a bummer that Cahie that Clark, the most winning player in the ACC, the guy was who was a freshman on the team that lost to UMBC, UMBC, won a title the next year, I believe has an ACC champ under his belt, unfortunately might get remembered for this play. And I think, I think Tony Bennett, their head coach, did a good job in this postgame press conference of saying, look at what all Cahie's done to our program and remember him for that. So
1: oh, definitely, because I mean, like, I hate whenever fans and you know the media tries to like give that image of like, yeah, that like he's, he's, he's a bust, that's what he's known for, like blah blah blah, this and that. But I'm like, y'all don't, so even, I, I think I not even be talking about it. I think we call if it was we
0: can call that the Bill Buckner effect. I know you're not gonna have no clue what that means because you need to start watching some more baseball, but Bill Bill Buckner was this guy on the on the 86 Red Sox game six they're one hour away from winning the World Series there's a there's a very weak hit weekly hit ground ball and Bill Buckner was injured at this time terrible fielder but the Red Sox manager John McNarama wanted him on the field to celebrate them winning the national title or national national title the World Series so Mookie Wilson the scrappy hitter for the Mets hits a weak ground ball goes right through Buckner's legs the Mets the Mets Score, win the game, go on to win Game Seven. And the Mets win the '86 World Series, and now Bill Buckner has—it's—it's it's been the term scapegoating. That's what it is. Bill Buckner is the reason the Red Sox didn't win it. He was scapegoated. Kenney Clark might get scapegoated for when obviously there was a lot of things in the prior 39 minutes and 50 seconds of that ball game that Virginia could have done better to win that game and not be in that situation.
1: But that's not how the media in the world treats it which is sad because it's, it, it, it's, it's really bad that like basketball is viewed that or sports in general is viewed that way because you can have a bad turnover first 30 seconds of the game and it won't be viewed the same. Like I can give the ball to y'all and go get a wide open layup after tip off, but with 10 seconds left, it just seems like it's it's worth way more.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then fi- final team, I don't think we've covered yet, but I would love to cover is our cover is K-State with, Marcus oh. Noel and Keontae Johnson who they were picked to finish dead last in the big 12 this year and guess what they also came to play dropped their balls on the table and now we're in the sweet 16 I mean Keontae Johnson's coming from a life-threatening injury had a Florida transfer he's, he's a he's a Raymond rep guy too isn't he no
1: yeah, he's with my agency so it's, it's been wild to hear his story because obviously I hear about it through Mike and like a little bit of the inside of it but I mean, obviously, a lot of people know about it just from, you know, seeing it on TV and all, all in the news and the media. But hearing his story and seeing him overcome that, and like, I honestly didn't know. I remember him at Florida a little bit, but now I feel like he's just transformed into this hooper. Like, he making great plays. He making game winning shots. Like, really, really out there playing with confidence and playing with a lot of swagger. So him and, him and Noel, bro, the little point guard, oh my gosh, he's the best point guard in college basketball. Like, no doubt in my mind. After seeing him play yesterday, because at first he was facilitating. He was getting – he was setting his teammates up, making the right play. Then the second half, he was just like, it's my turn. And then he went crazy. And that's what I like to see in guards. I like to see it got and, be-
0: and then their their coach, Jerome Tang, had an all-time quote after the game, throwing a little jab at uh, Calipari in a blue-blood in Kentucky, just saying, we had more dudes than they did today. Put that on a T-shirt, print it, sell it. I mean – I like that. They got to be, they got to be thinking in influencer or social media, just marketing mindset. Like that shirt could go, that could fly off the shelves. Just all time quote there from Jerome Tang. And I feel like like stuff like that, that the media puts out is going to be great for not only Tang, but the K-State program. Cause guys like in high school and stuff are going to be like, oh, I I love that vibe. I, I love that. Just that environment in the locker room, just like, I yep. want to go play for K-State. I want to go to Manhattan, Kansas, in the middle of goddamn nowhere, and de- devote my life for basketball for this guy. That that's just how it is there.
1: Hell yeah, that's exactly how it should be. Especially, bro, like you said, like nowadays, kids all want clout, they all want followers, they all want attention. So like to be able to use like you every college pro every every college coach should be using every single media interview as an opportunity to help boost their program. And the fact that he's doing that, showing that confidence and showing that, like, what life he brings to that energy. I mean, what life he brings to the team is crazy because, like, that's what you need. You need to be able to walk into your head coach's office and just know that he's going to fight for you, ride for you, and then uh, after that, everything can take care of itself.
0: Now we're going to flip over to the full court press as we look around news around college basketball. And looking at it, we got, we got a couple of head coaching changes that have happened within the last 24 hours. Providence head coach, or former Providence head coach now, Ed Cooley has listed his house for sale on Zillow, and he's officially leaving for the take the Georgetown job. so that's Ooh. that's big that's big that's a big shift in the Big East. And there's also another big job in the Big East who sixty percent of their teams who made the tournament are in the Sweet sixteen. three out of five. that that's a that's a fact people uh, aren't looking at right now. And then Rick Patino's leaving Iona to go to St. John's. Uh, and he's a coaching legend too. so, Major shakeup in the Big East right now.
1: That's actually surprising just because I didn't realize Cooley was from that area. So for him to leave, you know, that means a lot. Uh, But at the same time, Georgetown, that's like a, that's a job you can't really turn down. It's a lot of history and tradition in that program. And the fact that, you know, it really wasn't left in good hands. Um, So hopefully he can turn that around and, you know, make even more history. So I'm happy for him there. It must be nice uh, nice though walk into a new head coaching job. I wonder how that feels. I don't know.
0: Maybe, maybe, maybe you'll be a coach one day. But, Brev, I want, you want to know how you can get that feeling, though? So, Brev, you you, you like going to sporting events, concerts. You like getting that feeling of walking in the arena. And we got regionals coming up with uh, Elite Eight games, Sweet 16 games in Las Vegas, Kansas City, Massive Square Garden. And the best feeling is – Getting tickets on the Seeky Gap for sure. Using code Zoomer Sports for twenty percent off. Z O O M E R S P O R T S for twenty percent off on any purchase twenty dollars or more. And it's it's by far the best way to get your tickets. It's instant, all on your phone. Just the best way to do it. And Rev, you going to any basketball games or any concerts soon? And uh, how, how, what's what's how are you going to do it? I'm definitely using SeatGeek, man. 20% off, you can't beat
1: that. And I need, to make sure, I need to make sure I got good seats whenever I go to these games. So I'm going to have to use SeatGeek. I'm about to go to the NIT in Vegas, see a couple games. So I'm definitely going to have to download SeatGeek and use that Zoomer sports code for discount. <laughs>
0: All right. And as we throw it back to the college, or the full court press news around college basketball segment, we also have another coaching shakeup. Steve Lutz or Steve Lutz. I don't know how it's pronounced, but I know – that there's a, I, one of my old baseball coaches had the same exact name as him, so I'm going to roll with that one. Shout out Glen Bard West Baseball. We've talked about him a little bit with Caden Pierce on this episode, but Steve Lutz to become the next head coach at Western Kentucky in the Ooh. Conference USA after leading Texas A&M Corpus Christi to back-to-back, comp, or back-to-back NCAA tournament appearances in his first two years as a head coach at the NCAA level. So congrats to him. Obviously, great step in the next direction. And I want to know your take on this. Former Illinois five-star guard who left the team midseason, Sky Clark, transferred to Louisville, who was in the ACC. Five minutes after Illinois, his former team lost to Arkansas in the round of 64. I thought that was a little cold. He posted he his commitment. Five minutes after they lost, he posted his commitment.
1: Wow. I mean, hey, man, at least he waited to the end of the season. (laughs) But wow, I did not know that. I wish I saw that story actually on Twitter or
0: something. That's crazy. There's a little little jab back at his old program, I see. Yeah,
1: So I guess, I mean, mean, it it looks really cold. I mean, yeah, but at the same time, obviously, like, you know, I'm big on that whole whole story. I'm I'm big on the mental health stuff. And I understand, like, what he went through was partly um, that and some family stuff. So I'm, I, you know, I'm big on obviously him taking a break and leaving basketball for that because I feel like that's definitely necessary uh, and needed if you feel like it. Um, Louisville, though, um, obviously they didn't have the best year. So obviously, I mean, they're hopefully they're turning in the right direction. But I feel like for his position, them losing L. Ellis, their, their lead guard, he'll walk into a starting position, which is good for him. Um, hopefully they get some other pieces around them and they can actually make some noise in the ACC this year. But uh, this past year, it was, a little, uh, it was a little rough for Louisville to get some wins, even though they beat us. <laughs> they definitely beat our ass. <laughs> but it was tough for them to win six six games. So uh, hopefully Scott Clark can uh, get them up on a positive end.
0: Is that, uh, is that Prince growling? Now Now that you mentioned Louisville beating us, Prince was growling at you because of that? That's <laughs> <Yes, Lord. laughs> They're both knocked out. Uh, and then the final piece of news is the University of St. Francis, Brooklyn of the Northeastern Conference has announced to cut all athletic programs heard that for listen. John Rothstein. That I, is wild.
1: I don't understand. I mean, obviously there's definitely more to the story, but like, I just don't, I don't like how they just abruptly end like students' college athletics careers. You feel me? Like that's the only thing that kind of bothers me the most just because like you put in, who knows how many students they have on campus but, like, now you're putting them at a disposition where it's just like, ah, uh, like, now I don't know what to do with the next step in my life or what to do. So, I mean, it's definitely sad. But, I, I mean, I understand it's a business in college athletics. But, I mean, hey, it's the reality of life. you got to find a way to make it work.
0: I also feel like that just from, like, like an academic viewpoint here, I feel like that's it's going to be harder to get kids to apply to your school, in my opinion, without having some of that school spirit in sports, in sports teams and kids enrolling into your college through the athletic program. It's like – you gotta think about, like, like even like get rid of. Obviously, I don't have a football team, but get rid of men's basketball, women's basketball, the big time sports. Think about like the the rugby teams, or if they even have them, or like the golf teams, uh, volleyball, just stuff like that. Like so for that
1: small for that small ass school, that might be half the uh,
0: half the yeah, that, Like that, like that's what I'm thinking. But I mean. Rumor is they moved into a can. Uh, they moved their campus in the heart of downtown Brooklyn, New York, and so, so that could, that's definitely a factor. But that's crazy. And, Rev, do you do you have an all first weekend team of your of in mind for the tournament?
1: Oh, this is great! All first weekend team for me, bro. Ooh, we I'm gonna have to go with Davis from Arkansas. He stepped up crazy. 21 points or 20 something points in the second half was insane. That's a good one. I think I gotta go with uh is it Noel Noel from Kansas State.
0: Marcus Noel, yep. Yeah, great, great selection. I have him on my board too. I'll, <laughs> I'll I'll announce mine after. I'm I'll announce all different players in you. Okay. So so we so we all so we all have
1: all different trying, players. Ooh, we I'm trying to think yeah. what other games Sign are. Sign like,
0: spotlight on other guys. So we put,
1: uh, I like, um, oh I'm going to have to go with Isaiah Wong. Isaiah Wong had a hell of a performance last night against Indiana. He stepped up big. That's
0: true. He, up he showed he was the ACC player for the, of the year for a reason.
1: He did. I like him. I like his game a lot. Guarding him, guarding him, I like I like guarding him. He was a fun matchup. Uh, so, yeah, so I like to see him perform well. I'm trying to think who else. Jordan Miller played good too, though. But I, but I don't want to use nobody on the same team. I'm trying to think of other games that happen. Where are some other games in the beginning? Oh, I like um, I like the little guard from uh, Farley Dickinson. I forgot his name though. Dark skin. Um, I mean,
0: I, I know I I have one of the Farley Dickinson guys, but I don't know if it's the same one. Uh, because I have I have Sean Moore on mine. If that's who you're thinking of. No, it
1: wasn't him. It was a, yeah. Sean Moore is the guy who played good against Purdue. I like the other, the guard who played good last night. Who's hooping last night? I forgot his name. And then for a big man, Dimitri Roberts. Dimitri Roberts, that's perfect. I, I like their story too. But they were D two a year ago. Is crazy. That's actually mind blowing. Um, so then for my last pick, ooh we for my last pick, I'm gonna have to go with uh, I'm gonna have to go with somebody that uh we beat three times. But Terquavion Smith, I have to go. <laughs> Terquavion Smith definitely put up a show, uh, first round in the uh in March Madness, which I figured he would. I'm just upset they got into the tournament over us, considering the fact we beat them three times. But I knew the committee wanted him to put on a show just for viewer rating and stuff.
0: Three times, all by double digits, too. Yeah, 16 was the minimum. And then my team, I'm going to go with the guy you really like for my first spot, Tyson Walker. He was really clutch Woo! versus Marquette, 22-plus. Yeah, and then I already name-dropped him earlier, Ryan Nemhard, 30 for Creighton mm-hmm. last night against Baylor. And then I got Sean Moore, obviously, mentioned earlier, and Farley Dickinson. I had to do this on this pick. I had to. He had 16 boards at the height of 6'7", round of 32. Kane goddamn Pierce. I'm, I you it, know right? what I'm going to mention I, him on my off. Oh.
1: I had a feeling Mr. Pierce was going to make your list because <laughs> now points and 16 rebounds is very impressive. Freshman, too. Yeah, freshman, too.
0: Yeah, he'll definitely make an appearance on Ballsy once that gets going. <laughs> <laughs> and then – my last spot. I'm gonna go. This this is kind of a chalk pick, but Drew Timmy is continuing to show why he's one of the most notable names in sports or yeah, notable names in college athletics.
1: He's actually he's actually must see TV. Uh, I like him a lot. I like what he brings. I like the swag he plays with. Uh, plays with a lot of like cockiness. I like that. I like that a lot. So uh, hey, man, it makes basketball fun to watch.
0: And then our final segment we're gonna do here is we're just gonna make our picks for the Sweet 16 games. Uh, yeah. This. Upcoming Thursday, Friday. So we yeah. got first game, number one, Alabama. We actually have not talked about today, surprisingly. But, like, obviously, they got what you need to win a national championship. You need one to two big-time guys who can make shots who are going to be in the NBA caliber, NBA for mm-hmm. almost a decade, guys, and that's Brandon Miller. And they they have, they have um, adversity, which is another trait that most NCAA winners have. Obviously, they have the whole Darius Miles, Brandon Miller situation. And I think Brandon Miller is helping them catapult that. And they okay. can win the tournament. They can win the tournament 100%. They have the talent to do it. And he's averaging 19 a game. And mm-hmm. I think I think they're going to get past San Diego State. So do the Zoomer Sports fans. As the fan vote, uh, the fan poll they have them, um, 88% of them have Bama winning. I'm
1: going to have to go with Alabama for this one. Uh, I normally like an upset, but at the same time, I want Alabama to keep playing. I like. Quinterly, um, Love Miller. Uh, I like – his name Spears, I believe. Yeah, Mark Spears
0: and then Noah Clowney, the glass cleaner for them.
1: Yes, I like those guys. And I like how they shoot. They get a lot of shots up. They play fast, play with energy. And so, yeah, I'm going to have to go to Alabama over uh, San
0: Diego State. The next game in the East Regional, I believe, is – is that the East or the South? Uh, Who cares? Um, It's the South Regional because East is Purdue. Yeah, South Regional. Is number six, Creighton, versus number 15, Princeton. Can Princeton keep their Cinderella run on and match St. Peter's of last year, or does the clock strike midnight and Princeton gets eliminated? The fan vote for this one is Princeton by 53%, but most of the Zoomer sports listeners probably pretty biased. But
1: Wow, I was not expecting that to hear that from the fan vote. I'm going to have to go with... Princeton will end their Sweet 16 run. Creighton's going to win this one. I got Creighton winning this one just because I think hopefully Colt Brenner steps up. Colt Brenner's been playing great. I like him a lot. And Nim Hart obviously just had a great game against probably one of the better defensive units uh, in the country, quote unquote. Uh, so, I mean, I, I mean I'm going to have to go with that. Obviously, we'll see how Princeton defends them. But at the same time, Creighton has too much. Too much offensive firepower for me, I feel like. But also, Princeton is a is a tough matchup too, though. So we'll see how it is. But I'm gonna have to go with Creighton by probably less than ten. It'll be a single digit win.
0: Cue, cue up, uh, Metro Boomin and the in the the diss track or the hype video with your with your take. Creighton winning, obviously. I said Creighton is my Super Final 14 now, but I mean, they have to they have to play Mitch Henderson. Caden Pierce and the Princeton Tigers. So you're not, you're not it's gonna fans. be. It's it's definitely the game I'm looking forward to the most, though. But I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the I'm gonna stick with the fans. Stick with my guns. Stick with my boys back home, Princeton.
1: Bad decision.
0: Sign it, seal it, deliver it, send it off. That's my pick. Yeah, I'm dead. All right, next game we got FAU number nine, the nine seed, in the East in the East Regional. We got that one versus number four Tennessee. Fan vote on the Zoomer Sports poll with. 76% in favor of the volunteers moving on.
1: I got 100% in favor of the volunteers. <laughs> I, like, I like FAU's guards, though. They, their guards play with confidence, but at the same time, Tennessee just going to have too much size for them and too much length and athleticism. So I think Tennessee takes this one. Because Tennessee can play fast, too, um, just as well as FAU can. So if they try to speed the game up, I mean, Tennessee's got athletes and length in athleticism
0: and athleticism to do it. So I'm going to say Tennessee by twelve. Right, I'm taking Tennessee there as well. And then the final game in that regional is number three, K-State, versus number seven, Michigan State. Does Tom Izzo keep his magic up going? This this honestly
1: – This is a crazy one.
0: One of the toughest matches. The Zoomer Sports fan vote had 61% in favor of Kansas State, moving on to the Elite Eight.
1: This is a very, very tough one. This might be the game I'm most excited for. Like, I cannot wait to get some popcorn and watch this one. I mean, I'm really excited for this one. I'm gonna have to go with Kansas State though. Like I love Michigan State. I love Hoggart. I love Walker. Dang, I love Michigan State actually. Like watching them play yesterday. So <laughs> I was like, dang, they really good. But then watching Kansas State play yesterday was like, dang, they really good. <laughs> so I'm gonna have to go with Kansas State. Their momentum is crazy right now. I feel like they got the pieces to do so. Um so yeah, Kansas State by
0: Kansas State by eight. You know what, you know what's gonna happen? Whether they play Thursday or Friday. I don't I don't care what they are playing. You wanna know what's gonna happen? What's up? Kansas State is gonna have more dudes than they did. Jerome Tang. He makes me want to run through a wall, lock it in, sign it, seal it, deliver it, send it. Boom, that's my pick.
1: Kansas State is definitely the go-to pick for me. I think I, I honestly think they might be the natty winners at this point. If they win this one, they they win the
0: natty. Ooh, that's 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 a flaming hot take there. Flame and burn it. Straight off the griddle.
1: If Kansas State wins, they're going to a natty, bro. Like, I just, like, they got too much confidence, bro. And the fact that their coach got the same amount of confidence and he's open like that in the media, yeah, I got to go with him.
0: The state of Kansas would be getting two national champions in two years in a row. That would be crazy. And, uh, I th- no, their regional's regionals not. Because the, there's a regional in Kansas City. I'm like, if they're playing, like, within three hours of their school, I've been crazy. But, no, that's going to be – this next game, Houston, number one Houston versus number five Miami, is in Kansas City. Ooh, they play two. Yep, this is gonna. This is this is just, just if you love guard play, this is the game for you. If you love elite guards, I'm going with Miami. I
1: never. I, I don't like Houston to begin with. Ooh. I don't like Houston to begin with, and I'm an ACC guy, so I gotta go. With, I gotta go with the Hurricanes.
0: And vote on this one is 81 percent Houston. Obviously, fans I would. For- I would love. I would love. to win. I think it'd be a great represent rep, a great representation of the ACC as the only school uh representing the conference in the Sweet Sixteen. But I think just Houston's been so dominant. But they have, they've only played I think two quad one games besides, uh, besides three now with Auburn in that quad one spot. Oof. <laughs> It's gonna be, I mean, I'm it's close, that. but I think I'm gonna give the edge if Trayvon Mark scores double digits. They're thirty and two. They're thirty
1: and two. That's true. If he aggressive, if he aggressively into the free throw line, yeah, they could they get, they definitely gonna have a better chance. But at the same time, it depends now. If that, it depends now. Miami got Poplar. Poplar is very very tough. He's the X factor. If him and Nigel Pack can make some shots, they will be tough. But I, I'm still going with Miami. Miami by four.
0: All right. In the second game that Midwest Regional, we got number three Xavier. Versus number two, Texas. And Texas is 21-7 and seven under interim Rodney Terry. I think if he wins this game, he gets the full-time coaching job. He already won the Big 12 championship. He already won the Big 12 Tournament. Does Rodney Terry keep his job, or does he need to win one more game to get that full-time spot, get the interim tag removed?
1: To take over midseason after the allegations that the former head coach faced and to be able to keep that team still on track, you should be like – you should be able to get the job on off that, bro, because it's hard. Uh,
0: tech, to- this is Texas' first Sweet 16 since 2008 to begin with. Oh, yeah. Well, then never mind
1: then. Yeah, I mean, with that fact alone, he should have the job. But at the same time, bro, the fact that, like, bro, you do know how hard it is? I've been in several locker rooms. I've been on several teams since I've been in school for so damn long. Bro, it is so hard <laughs> to keep, me, like, on the same page throughout the whole year. So through all that adversity, through all that BS that they went through, the fact that they'll still be able to be successful, I got to give him the job. Like, he deserves a job. At, 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 I mean, after they even won the tournament, he should have got a contract in. So if they win another game, it should be, like, 100% sure. But I'm going to have to go with Texas. I like Texas a lot. I like I like Rice coming off the bench, six-man of the year. I like,
0: I like Marcus Carr a lot, who Carr averaging is averaging, like, 16 for them, 15.8. Love, uh,
1: love Teddy. Love Teddy. I, I like his little interview that he did you the other day. He was being a very selfless, very unselfish. Uh, oh, I like
0: Tyrese Hunter, the transfer from Iowa State. Oh, he's a dog, too. And then you got Dylan DeSue
1: down there. So, I mean.
0: Who's, who's, who also could have been on that all-tournament team.
1: Exactly. So, it's just like, hey, man, it's just, whoever's night it is. But I think uh, hopefully Marcus Carr have a great night because
0: I love watching him be a high. I love watching. Oh, yeah. By, I
1: mean.
0: Texas by, uh, Texas by five. I remember watching him in the Big Ten back when he was on Minnesota. He was—he was he all was, oh, a stud then, stud now. The fans have Texas winning at a sixty-nine percent uh, vote yeah, to finish off the region. To finish off the tournament, we go to the West Regional, which was the most stacked regional, and this was actually the most chalk regional. Every single higher seed won in this game or in this region in the first round. One through eight all won, all won. There was no upsets in this regional. Mm-hmm. The number eight Arkansas is facing number four, UConn.
1: Ooh, this is a game. I think,
0: I think both these teams, like, honestly, like, all these teams I'm that are gonna in it, I, I pro- I'm going to be like 12 out of the 16 teams in the Sweet 16 left, I think could legitimately be cutting down the nets in Houston.
1: Yeah, this, this game is actually going to be tough. I'm, I'm going to go with Arkansas. I like, I like what they bring to the table. And if everybody healthy... I like what Arkansas does, but at the same time, UConn does have that. UConn, yeah, Hurley does do a good job with UConn. I, no, I'm going. I'm going to Arkansas. Arkansas by seven.
0: It's it's gonna be, it's gonna be a, not only a fun game to watch the players, but the coaches. Those coaches, they're they're lively on the benches. Hurley and Musselman. I, that, I mean, you you saw Musselman take a shirt off after being K KU be yesterday. Be
1: a great ass game. Oh my gosh, I can't. So that game. Who else? Miami, Houston, and what was another game that was good? Michigan State and Kansas State. Oh my gosh, there's gonna be some great games on.
0: And then, um, obviously, I think the only like if if UConn wins, both Jordan Hawkins and Adam Sandoval have to show up. It can't be one or the other. They both got to be playing in right a game to get past this very deep and talented Arkansas team. Exactly. Exactly. I agree. And then. The final game, oh, was, oh, the Zoomer Sports fan vote was 57% in favor of UConn for that game. The final game of Sweet 16 we got in the West Regional is the number three Gonzaga Bulldogs versus the number, number two Bruins of UCLA, as Greg Gumbel would say. The Zoomer Sports fans, fan vote has the Zags at a 54% advantage. Brev, thoughts on this matchup? Because this, this might be the most... This is the most anticipated matchup historically. Obviously, you know the history of Suggs, Morrison. They've all that's all been in Gonzaga's favor. Does UCLA get over the hump versus these guys in the tournament?
1: This is the year. I'm I'm going I'm going against the grain. This is the year UCLA gets their revenge on the Zags and sends Drew Timmy home. And crazy thing is, I found out Drew Timmy got another year of eligibility, so maybe he'll come back next year and win it all. But
0: this is not the year. He's already said that he is going to the NBA. He's done with college. Oh, man. That's He's absurd. already came out and said that. Oh, man, that's insane. Well,
1: Drew Timmy's career will be ending on Thursday or Friday, uh, thanks to the UCLA Bruins. Uh, they're tired of losing. They're tired of being disrespected. So this is their time. Uh, and, I mean, they, yeah, they pretty much got the same group as they had during that year, whenever they lost by the buzzer beater. So, uh, so, yeah, they definitely need that revenge. So revenge tour for UCLA. Let's do it.
0: Uh, I mean – Obviously, Gonzaga. I mean, they've been eight straight Sweet Sixteens, eight straight. Mark Fuse had has built a hell of a program there as a mid major. You don't even think about them as a mid major; you think of more of them as a blue blood than a mid major, to be honest. Yeah. And I want, I want Gonzaga to win. I want my, I want my boy Braden Hoff to get a ring. I like. I mean, they got Timmy. Just the one thing I, I just have a question about Drew Timmy is just how come these guys who are like. National Player of the Year candidates every year they're in college are just, like, very fringe NBA draftees, like, late second rounders, like, projected, like, Drew Timmy, Luca Garza, Iowa is a name, like, I'm going to compare them to. It's just, why, why are they always like that? Like, just and, these big, big-time names are, like, just barely on the cusp of the NBA. And you well, would they, think they'd be slam-dunk candidates.
1: Right. I mean, a lot of it is just like the style of play the NBA is nowadays. Like, the NBA is looking for mobile bigs that can rim run, set ball screens, go catch lobs, because the guards pretty much do all the work. Like, that's just the way the game is nowadays. And now, like, whenever you got guys like Drew Timmy, other guys that are ball dominant they need a lot of touches, like, it's kind of like, uh, I'm not really finna to use you if I'm Stephen Curry. Like, I'm not really finna to use you if I'm Devin Booker. Like, if I'm – like, if I'm, like, guard on the team, I really don't understand the purpose of that. So, like, I think that plays a lot into it, um, just being, like, a style of play. Because, like, shit, I think about Armando, Armando Baycott, like, by far one of the most disruptive, probably one of the most powerful guys to ever play college basketball. And the fact that, like, he probably won't even make an NBA team is wild. Like, he really gonna have to fight for a spot, which is crazy to me. Um, but, yeah, it's just weird how the college stars, are like, nowadays, it's just like, dang, like, you see all these big names. Like you would think Drew Timmy, like back in the 1980s, Drew Timmy, player of the year, he the first draft pick. Now he's not even taught about.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. But I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. It was episode number 50. So that's halfway to 100, Zoomer. So gr- great, great, great way to spend it. And uh, Brev, where can uh, where can the listeners and viewers find you at?
1: Yeah, you know me, man. My Every single social media platform is Brev and Galloway. Just switching up and all the way on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok, whatever it is, Facebook, and then hey, you'll see- <laughs> you have a, you have a Facebook? Yeah, you know how old I am, bro. I've had a Facebook since <laughs> elementary school. I still get on a- <laughs> it my family.
0: That's funny. All right, but um, obviously, if you're listening on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, um, subscribe, notifications, leave a five star rating, subscribe on YouTube. Hit the notification bells, you know the drill, like, comment, just the whole spiel. Follow on Instagram at Zoomer.sports, Twitter, TikTok, the whole shebang. It's been it's been one hell of an episode. And any final thoughts?
1: Nah, man. March Madness is definitely the best time of the year. And I can't wait to sit back and enjoy these next couple of weeks and just watch a good college basketball with the family and the pups, of course. Pups are sleeping right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, if you if you if you're listening on Spotify or uh, Apple Podcasts and you heard Heard a little noise. There. That was a, uh, that was that was the French Prince, the French, oh, the French Prince, as his Instagram is, um, one of Rev's uh, dogs. Prince was uh, snoring on there. But um, it's been a great episode. And remember, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish it the same way I started it. This is March. Stay ballsy, my friends. Oh we, oh we. <laughs> <laughs>